0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kukaro. And today what we're going to do is talk about stress. Now, this is not going to be your typical um, stress talk because most of the time what what seems to occur is people say that there's like stress, right? They're like, oh, are you stressed? Are you stressed out? Is that um, you need to do some stress management. But, but similar to pain, there's not a, a big discussion on what stress is. And why it matters in understanding the differences in stress uh, and they have some profound implications not only to pain but for your overall health as well. Now, the, the key thing about stress is to understand that stress is ubiquitous. It is everywhere and this is not a bad thing. What stress does is, is it provides you an opportunity to act. Now, what that action is depends on whatever the stressor is in front of you. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Because I can seem a little bit confusing. Well, there, the stress can tell you that your environment is changing. So if you're in the winter like we are right now and all of a sudden your body starts getting cold, that is a stressor. And that stressor is providing information to say, hey, you need to change something in order to adapt the scenario. Other ones, um, if you're hungry. So if you haven't been eating, hunger it could be considered a stressor because your body is basically saying information. There's something that has changed from your baseline that needs to be addressed in some way. Now, they're the ones that most are tip most typically talked about though, in um, in like sort of the, the the stress management stuff where they're oh you need to take a course in stress management or whatever. Are what would we normally perceive to be the psychological stressors. Now, the really interesting thing about how our bodies process and act on stress is it doesn't matter if it's a physical stress or a psychological stress. Okay, meaning if I punch you, there is going to be there's a physiological effect with that punch. And if I just threaten to punch you, there is a psychological effect with that punch. Now but the but the response is the same generally. The same pathways from your brain into the body get activated in both those scenarios. And people will say, well why why should that make a difference? It seems like you should respond differently to you know, getting bitten by a tiger as to just being able to see a tiger. And, and the reason for that is kind of redundancy and quickness of our, of our stress system. You want something, particularly when it comes to processing, dealing with, and responding to stressors in, in the world, you want something that is both redundant, meaning that there's backup systems involved, and that it is fast, okay? Because it is much more important for you to perceive and activate these systems, preferably before you are in that counter. So what am I saying about this? If you see a, a tiger, right, your body, in your brain. Your brain is going to start synchronizing everything with your body in order to either fight that tiger or flee that tiger. Now, it doesn't make sense for your brain to try to specifically, what's the word I'm working for? Make sure that that tiger is attacking you, right? Because if it did that, if it was a reactive process, if it waited for the tiger to attack and bite you or to verify that there was actually a tiger there, um, you would more likely be dead. And so if we kind of think about it in an evolutionary standpoint, everybody who had a a, a inability to pre-act or predict or or pre-respond, not, that's not a word, pre anything that you can do to anticipate and act before the event occurs would be an evolutionary disadvantage to surviving. All right. So now why does this become important? Is that it doesn't matter whether it's a physical, again, punching you, or psychological, feeling like you're being threatened uh, to, to generate that, that, that same stress response. Now, what does the stress response do? Well, does a bunch of things. It's an activator, it's the major activator. If you think that your body has basically two main actions, there's activation, in which case you're doing something, you're, you're, uh, you're building muscle, you're having increased blood flow, or there is relaxation and recovery, which is, the, which is when the body is off, in which case that now does it, the, the processes involved are either to restore muscular function, to get more nutrients, to improve digestion, and those type of things. So really, the, the two major responses of the body is activation and recovery. And stress is a primary method to get that activation system involved and to turn it on. Now, the key though is while stressors, so that tiger, that image of the tiger can all be the same, the way that our body or our brain processes that information and then initiates all that cascade of, of hormones and neurotransmitters can be subtly different based on how you perceive that stressor. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you see a tiger and I, actually I may have used this example in prior episodes, I've certainly done it in courses I've taught, is if you are hunting a tiger and you see or hear a sound that makes you think that a tiger is there, your physiologic responses, i.e. your stress response will have subtle differences to it, still activated, but somewhat differently, as to if you are not hunting tigers, but you either see or hear a tiger. Okay. The key differentiator being here is whether you are processing or perceiving this information, perceiving is a better way. If you perceive the stressor as a challenge, hey, I'm hunting tigers, or a threat, oh my God, there's a tiger in the woods. Okay. Two very, very different perceptions. Now, those are perceptions. Again, it doesn't matter whether or not there's an actual tiger in front of you. In fact, you can have the same tiger. You can have the real tiger or the fake tiger. Let's say it's a real tiger in front of you. But just based on how you perceive that tiger, again, whether you see it as a challenge, I'm a tiger hunter, or a threat, oh my God, there's a tiger is gonna eat me, how your stress system activates is different, Okay. Now, there's two major pathways that the, that we activate kind of our body's response or prep, i using that word response, but really the, the better way to say it is is, um, is pre-action. It's getting prepped and ready to go to that stressor. There's one that involves your adrenal glands and then there's one that involves um, uh, the pituitary gland and some other things. But the, but the two, the, they secrete different hormones. Okay. The typical way to think about it is the ones that go your adrenals, that's epinephrine or, or adrenaline as people will commonly call it. Okay. That is a fast acting pathway. What that does is it immediately starts getting your heart rate up. It starts shunting blood to large muscle groups. It starts getting you ready, focusing your vision. It's a very fast on and off switch. The second pathway is a much slower one. That involves cortisol, which is a glucocorticoid, if you guys are interested in that. But what that does, when that hormone is released, it takes longer to activate and it is slower to turn off. Now, effects with with um, where the the uh, adre- adrenaline-type pathway is more involved with getting the blood system ready and, and eager to, to go, If guess that's, that's the way we want to talk about it. That glucocorticoid uh, system is more involved with um, things that have to do with healing, things that have to do with energy production, so long-term energy production, meaning we have to find ways that we, you know, we tend to use glucose in our bloodstream. So it's trying to find ways to produce more glucose rather than break it down like a fast pathway would do. Okay. Now, the other part about this, though, is these two pathways that get activated— so we're talking about you know these catecholamines, which is the adrenaline, the short-acting on-off switch, and the corticosteroid pathway, which is the long-acting, slow-on, long-off switch, is that when you view things as a challenge, when you perceive them to be a challenge, and what that means is basically you're seeing it, hey, it still can be threatening, but you start going, you know what, I probably have the resources, I have the skill set, this is something that I can overcome you preferentially turn on that adrenal system, so your heart rate does rise. You get change in your blood flow, but you have less activation of that slow pathway, that glucocorticoid pathway, which really needs to be activated in, in, in uh, you know, the goal behind it is, is is when things are bad and when you need lots of healing and lots of energy and, and, uh, and it's a survival-based mechanism, something that's going to be long-term survival, that pathway gets turned on, Okay. Why that's important is because if you get that, that that long-acting pathway and you have it, the so this is the cortisol and the glucocorticoids here, that long-acting pathway, if it gets turned on frequently and too often, it starts to get screwed up. Now, we have a normal flow to our hormones in the body. Things turn on, things turn off, things turn on when they're supposed to, ideally, and they turn off when they're supposed to. But if you keep switching on, that glucocorticoid, that cortisol, which people have heard, maybe heard that cortisol being "quote unquote" the stress hormone. You keep turning that on, and you start getting dysfunctions in that system. Now, that long-acting system, as I said, is involved with healing and inflammation. It's involved with your metabolism. is trying to give you more glucose in your bloodstream, so it's trying to to uh, uh, make sure that you have enough of that short that 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 uh, really important. Kind of fuel for our bodies um, it has to do with memory, and if you keep turning it on and off, or maintaining it for long periods of time, we start seeing things start to break down. Problems if you give somebody cortisol too much, and you can do this—I um, don't want to say experimentally—but we have people that are on taking long on steroids for for conditions like if you have really bad asthma and you're taking. Um, basically glucocorticoids for long periods of time, or if you have an, uh, an inflammatory disorder and people are taking these type of steroids for long periods of time, there are harmful effects with them. What happens? You start actually compiling, you start getting fat tissue. Fat tissue starts building up because what are glucocorticoids are trying to do? They're trying to preserve energy for you. They start getting impairment in your ability to break down, break down glucose. What is that associated with? Well, type 2 diabetes. Your immune system starts to get uh, uh, impacted. So again, we're using these as an anti-inflammatory effect when you have something like rheumatoid arthritis and we and your body's attacking itself crazy. But when you have too much glucocorticoid, now we have problems with the immune system working very well at all. Other problems that have happened is because now you can't heal as well. So wounds that you have don't heal as well, It'll take longer to do. Uh, if you have cuts, they take longer to heal from. Um, your tissues themselves start to become brittle because they don't have the normal on off on how that they are produced. So you're, you if people have had on long-term studies, they start having, um, their skin can tear, their bones start to get brittle and things. And that that is when you have too much of that long-acting system on for too, long, too, uh, for, for too long of a period of time. Now, why does that matter to you? Because simply that, that, again, that challenge versus threat perception gives us a way to start thinking about stress and stress management differently. It is no longer simply about, I'm going to do some meditation to turn things down, although that's a good thing. It's no longer about uh, doing yoga or physical activity to kind of adjust your stress, although that is a good thing. But a key component is recognizing on the front end, how can you approach a stressor in such a way that you can start thinking about it as a challenge rather than a threat? How can you break it down so it doesn't become so insurmountable to you? how can you alter the way that you're thinking and perceiving about those stress in such a way that they again are not like oh my god my life is awful this is horrible my boss is so mean but how that you can preactively plan to perceive those stressors differently so if you have a you know your your boss is is a total jerk every single day how can you anticipate those reactions or how can you develop a a a challenge-based assessment to improve that relationship. And sometimes that's gonna be recognizing that your boss sucks and dealing with that, but having a plan of action to escape, to find a different job, to transfer departments and just knowing that you are planning for that can help change that pathway so that you are relying less on that long-term threat pathway, which is bad, with which is starts getting alterations in that cortisol secretion, and more towards the challenge based on off. Now you obviously don't want on/off all the time either. That's where the recovery type of stress management strategies, like the yoga and the meditation, come in. But this is, but it, it becomes really important to recognize that there is a pre-perception-based component to effective stress management. That just how again how you can perceive perceive the stressor can have significant downstream effect as well, and it has a tendency to get a little bit ignored. Um, at least in typical stress management and it has uh, at times to get ignored in a lot of different stress management programs where they're they're not differentiating stress is not the enemy stress is if you do not have stress in your life you will more than like well you will die because stress teaches us to move teaches us to go get food teaches us to do things so it becomes much more important to master stress than try to seek this idea of eliminating all stress Again, you do not want no stress in your life. You actually wanna be able to master stress and understand that stress. And what you want is more of that challenge-based stress and move away from the threat-based stress. Now, what does this have to do with chronic pain? Well, what do you think it might have to do with chronic pain? When we talk about long-term effects of having that that cortisol secretion, that threat-based stress processing, that threat-based stress perception, when we start seeing alterations in what's known as the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access, what occurs with that with chronic pain is, is people who have more dysfunction, more preferential on that side, when they activate that stress pathway more often, they're also more prone to develop chronic pain, okay? Uh, and there's a host of different reasons for that, which we're not going to get into this episode. So it becomes, again, key to understand the difference between challenge and threat, to recognize that if you constantly are seeing things as threat, it alters the way that your stress response goes more to that long-term cortisol uh, secreting aspect, which has again is slow on, slow off, has effects with metabolism, heart rate, healing, immune system, and pain. So, a quick little tidbit here is if you're talking about stress for pain or stress management for pain, one of the goals isn't simply trying to do recovery programs for stress, i.e. exercise, i.e. meditation, i.e. relaxation exercises, but how can you build in a change in perception? How can you start feeling people more in control of the scenario, perceived control being the key words there, and how can you help them to develop the skill sets and coping mechanisms for which they feel confident when those stressors occur in the future? Confidence, competence move toward a challenge-based threat assessment rather than uh, a challenge-based assessment rather than threat-based assessment okay this is where role play can come in this is where identifying known stressors stressors that are already present oftentimes these are psychosocial um can be environmental but if these stressors come up over again and again and again example a relationship if you know what that stressor is you can start working on techniques and strategies to perceive that stressor differently to develop the coping skills so that when then that stressor occurs that you are seeing in it more of the challenge-focused mindset. But that, that pre-active strategy is a whole nother venue for which we can start thinking about effective stress management and more importantly, to recognize that we need to effectively change how we perceive stress as one way that we can start managing and mastering pain more effectively. And with that, folks, that is it for today. As always, if you have questions, you can email me at kevin at hoth.com. Uh, and until next time, stay well.